Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Alrighty, um, chapter three, preparing a place for the Lord. Now, one of the things that he opened up with is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so what we see here is is he's talking about in light of Jesus what he has done, right? We have boldness to enter the sanctuary. Uh, And and what what that means is like to understand like in the Old Testament, they had the Holy of Holies all the way up until the crucifixion when the veil's torn from top to bottom. And that's done to remind us that it's torn from God to man, not man to God. And, and so it's to remind us that you have access to God 24-7. And, and, and that the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you and wants to, to make a home. He gave a quote of Andrew Murray that said, True revival means nothing less than... A revolution, casting out the spirit of worldliness and selfishness and making God, his love, triumph in the heart and life. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So where does the Holy Spirit reside? In our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for it flows the springs of life. uh, Flows the the springs of life. And Jesus said it to when he was talking to the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And then Jeremiah chapter uh, 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? God. God can. God can. The word actually that's, that's there as, as we uh, talk about the heart, he's not talking about just the physical organ, a, bu- a blood that pumps, right? He's talking about the center of your life where you have emotions, uh, and, and the scripture attributes the understanding of thoughts, emotions, judgments, motives, desires, and affections to the heart. They all spring out of one place. And it's, that, that, it's in that strategic place where the Holy Spirit takes up residence. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love. So the Holy Spirit takes residence in that believer when they give their life to the Lord, when they ask Christ into their heart, and they choose to, to follow Jesus it's at that moment. And so we, we learned that the Lord filled the temple. He talked about the Lord filling the temple in every inch of the space. And the people would stand outside in awe, praising and worshiping the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11, it says, So that the priest could not stand to minister because the cloud, for the glory of the Lord, filled the house of the Lord. See, one of the things he had talked about is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had actually, when he uh, becomes king, he takes over, he actually does a 180-degree turn for the country. He turns them back to God. They had fallen into sin. And Hezekiah was a good king. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, it says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. So he decided it was time to clean the temple. That was part of the problem. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 3, it said, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Hezekiah decided to make a covenant. And I love this because he was just a teenager. He was young. I always tell the youth, whenever I teach at the youth retreat, I always try to remind them that, like Daniel and Hezekiah, the teenagers, they were more faithful than some of the parents and God. And some of the people in Israel that were supposed to be following God, Hezekiah was doing that. He's actually telling them, we need to make a covenant with God. In my heart, I'm going to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that the fierce anger may turn away from us. In 2 Chronicles 29.10. That's a, a great scripture for the United States of America right now. We need to make a covenant again with God. Because I, I truly believe some of the things that are happening in our country is because of our sinful nature and the things that we've done as a country. And Lord knows, maybe it's going to be a teenager that stands up and points the way. It can happen. He's a young adult. And so this young child had seen the, the, the war, had seen the, the enemy actually do unspeakable, unspeakable things in Jerusalem. And he stands up and says, no, we need to turn back to God. So when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, we do what? In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, heart, cardia is the word. So all those verses I gave to you before, Ephesians chapter 3, 17, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, all of those are talking about cardia. The heart, it is the center, the seat of spiritual life. Now, I'm not smart. All I did was go to Blue Letter Bible and look up the Word. Okay? You can do the same thing. But when I was looking at this, and I'm looking at Scripture after Scripture that Lloyd Pulley's given, I was like, what does that word heart mean in the Greek? What does it mean? It, it simply means that. It's the center of 
and the seat of spiritual life. The soul and mind, it is the fountain and the seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors. And so when you ask Christ into your heart, the cardia, you're saying you have reign over all of that. It's all yours. My passions become yours. Like, I, I want to be led to do what your passions are, not mine. Like, Lord, give me a calling and show me what, what I'm supposed to be doing. My desire should be what? His. My appetites. And we're not talking about food. My appetites for the things of the world should be His. Not chasing the worldly things. And so that word cardia, it goes on to say, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So unless we're willing to allow, because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, He is not going to force Himself upon you. He will not do that. You have free will. And this is free will gets a lot of people in trouble. That's where you free will gets you into temptation and sin and does all kinds of things. And you got to be careful of that. And he's wanting full residence. Like he, he just as it he filled the temple, he wants to fill the temple of your heart. But are you going to allow him to? Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top the bottom and the earth shook and the rock was split we have to remember that our body is the temple in 1st Corinthians chapter 16 verses 19 and 20 it says or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify God in your body so the question you have to ask, have you neglected your home? That's one of the questions you have to ask yourself as you're going through this chapter. Is the temple needing repair? Has the light grown dim within? Have you begun to neglect the house of the Lord? And think about it, you... You know, I, I had posted this on Monday. It's from the book. It's neglect occurs when we simply do nothing long enough. What's that other quote that we all know very well? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. You do the same thing over and over, and you expect some kind of change that's supposed to happen. It's not going to happen. He talks about the garage, and, and I tell you what. A lot of people in the United States have problems with their garages. They just... And, and they have no clue how they got filled up. They just opened another storage place here in town. They just opened another storage place near where I live. I'm like, we have problems with stuff. Like, we don't have enough place to put our own stuff. That we got to have another place to put stuff. And it's like... I. I can tell you many times where the garage has been clean and then over a six-month period, 
I'm like, what happened? It just, somebody puts this in there, somebody puts that in there. And then next thing you know, you can't walk in your garage. You can't even put the car in the garage. And so we need to be careful with, with our hearts. Because he's telling you, if you neglect it, right? If you neglect it, neglect occurs when you simply do nothing long enough. When you neglect your relationship with God, it affects what comes out of your heart. The way you speak. Um, the way you act, your passions become worldly. It's, it, you know, it, it happens. I love what Second Chronicles 29. I would recommend reading Second Chronicles 29 through 32. Hezekiah. It's a great, great story, but you see the things that they had to do. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 4 says, He brought, the, brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord and the God of your fathers. Carry out the filth from the holy place. Carry the filth out. They've been worshiping false gods. King Josiah, when they were cleaning out the temple, because this happens time and time again with Israel and with us. In 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8, it says, I, Hezekiah, the, the high priest, said to Shaphani, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. They lost the word of God. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah was only gone for a few years. And he comes back, and he has to do some, do some work because they've already allowed the temple uh, to be misused. And, and to the sacrifices, everything had been placed on, on hold because of the high priest and someone who was not even supposed to be in the temple was in the temple. And Nehemiah 13, verses 7 through 9, and... and, and and he came to Jerusalem, and I discovered the evil Elishab had done for Tobiah, who's not even supposed to be in the temple at all, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. He, he, made, he let him take residence. And it tells you in the first verses that they're not even supposed to be in the temple. But yet he allowed this to happen. And that was, the high, that was the high priest that allowed this to happen. And he goes, And I was very angry, and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Some of y'all need to do that with your hearts today. There's some stuff that just needs to be thrown out. Then I gave the orders that they cleanse the chambers, and I have brought back their vessels in the house of God with grain offering and frankincense. Because this happened... Temple worship stopped because of this one sin. It affected all these people. And it's a reminder to us that our sin affects a lot of people. It doesn't just impact yourself. When we read about this and we see these temples being cleaned out and the cleansing that's happening, it's a reminder to us that God wants to transform our hearts. You're a new creation in Christ. 
The old is past. Stop trying to put the old stuff back in the temple. Well, I'm allowed to be angry. Let me put it back in the temple. I'm allowed to watch pornography. It can come back in the temple. Those things happen and they need to go. And, and there's a number of other things that we can allow in there. We, we, and we get comfortable with them being in there. You just start ignoring the garage just like we do now. Right? If I don't see the garage, I don't know about the garage. And that's what you do. That little bit of room in your heart has been closed off. And, and God, you haven't given God access to it. And you stay away from it because you don't want to deal with it either. The only way a room's going to get clean is you clean the room. Right? That's, and that's what happens. So he, they, they dealt with that and they got rid of everything. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find out. If there's clutter in your heart. There's things that are going on. You're struggling with alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or, or there's those acceptable sins like pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. See, we, we want to think those are small sins. There are no small sins with God. They're all sin. Every one of them. And the Lord knows the motive of your heart. You're not hiding that from Him. So if you're angry or bitter or you have resentment or you have unforgiveness that you're not willing to let go of, these things are sins. And they need to, they need to be let go of your heart. They, they actually, you keep them around long enough, your heart will start to harden. And, and that's how people that, you, you have people that are in sin and you go, why are they still in sin? It's because they've allowed their heart to harden. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit no more. What does God say in Romans chapter 1, verse 26? He'll give them up to a, a debased mind. God gives them over to it because that's what they're doing. And, and, and until they're pressed, and, and I'll, I'll give a for instance because I was listening to this, this. I was listening to Pastor Joe. I was editing his radio, and he had spoke on Lonnie Frisbee. And Lonnie Frisbee um, was an unbelievable evangelist uh, during the Jesus movement. And Lonnie um, decided at some point he was gay and lived the lifestyle, walked away from God. I mean, he belonged to God still because he had given his life to Christ. But at some point in his sinful nature, Lonnie got AIDS in the 80s. And he repented and asked Christ, to, to forgive him of his sins. Sad part is, when Chuck did his funeral, Pastor Chuck, he told him, he goes, Lonnie was a Samson of a man. The thing that, that, that got a hold of Lonnie and controlled him, his flesh. He was not willing to give up the thing that, that his flesh wanted, the world wanted, his passion and see, when, when we're talking about this chapter, he's talking about you're actually cleaning the stuff out of your heart. But are you really willing to do that? And that, it doesn't matter that it's that sin. It can be any sin. And you can be a Samson of a man, right? 
Because you can, you can allow your flesh to control you just as much. I know people that, that to this day, they think their anger is something they're allowed to have. And it's a sin. And when it impacted my family multiple times, that's a toxic person. I ain't got no time for him. And you go, well, wait a minute. You're a pastor. I'm going to invest in the people that I can invest into, the plants that I can water, the fruit that I can see grow, because that's my job. I can't invest in somebody who's not willing to. Look, I'll counsel you all day, but if you're not willing to, to be convicted, you don't need counseling. You're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. I, I, Teresa sent me this thing and I was listening to it this week I was like wow do we invest in people yes it, I, man, all day long but man I, I, I can tell you personally there was a family that we tried to minister to for six years probably one of the most toxic families that I've ever been around from husband, wife, to kids. The kids were, and they're all, I think some of them are selling drugs and been in and out of jail. We tried everything to counsel them. We, I mean, we invested and invested. And, and what happens is when you do that, you start becoming toxic. Because you start getting upset because they're not doing, well, when are they going to get this? And you start getting prideful and upset and self-righteous. And you got to be careful. You just got, I'm just saying, you got to be careful. Because what happens is that stuff starts taking residence in your heart. I remember bluntly telling, telling him, because it was the same thing. He would go to a men's retreat, and oh my God, I'm freaking, you know, and it was like floodgates. And then three weeks later, back doing the same thing. And the kids didn't see any change in their father, so they just did what they, they did. It happens. I remember doing this book during that period with him. And he was not willing to let go of the things that were going on in his heart. He wasn't like willing to let go of the sin, the stealing at work. Then he got... Uh, I better stop there. Because I don't want to put too much out. Because it's funny, when the kid stole something from him, he got upset. Because, where did he learn it from? You, you're doing the same thing. He learned it from you. So all these things that are going on with our attitudes, with our, 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 our passions, all these things cannot be wrapped up in the world. I want you to invest in people that are, are growing, meaning that they're, they're actually, they're, they can be discipled. Now you're going to have people that come into your life that are, that come into your life and, they're not toxic. They just need faith. And they're willing to sit with you, listen with you, pray with you, do all those things. And you invest in them. You spend time with them. You love on them. You know, at the end of the day, I, I know people. And I, whenever I see them, I love on them. They don't need me to give them a sermon. They already know. They know already. I've known them for years. And they know that they're in sin. They don't need me to beat them over the head with the Bible. So what I do is I love on them. And I just pray, Lord, 
at some point, get to them, reach them, draw them back. That's what we that's what we pray for. Now, do I go do picnics and stuff with them? No. I'm not doing all that. But if we if we're at a place and we're at dinner, I'm going to make sure I walk over and say hi to them and ask them how they're doing. It's it's a it's a tough thing. It's and I'll, I'll you know what I'll do is I'll post that. It's actually on focus on the family. So I don't want y'all to think I went off on a, a tangent. It was actually something on focus on the family. It's a two-parter. It's a knock to the teeth, man, in a good way. When I tell you that, it's like sometimes we need to like wake up, wake up. When somebody's demanding stuff from you, and and you've been invested in them and they're demanding like demanding stuff why aren't you doing this why haven't we done that how come you made that decision what it that's not your business that's between me and god it's toxic why am i going to invest time with somebody who's not willing to change that's just carrying their sin from place to place. We have to be careful with that. And so if we, if we actually say that the Holy Spirit's going to dwell in, in our hearts and be the center of our spiritual life, that means that our thoughts, our passions, our desires, our appetites, our affections, our purposes, our endeavors are all for Him. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into some very hard things this weekend. Because we have to talk about render to Caesar what is Caesar and God's what, what belongs to God. And those are hard things because you're talking about authority. And people don't want to, they, they don't want to give up some of this stuff. And, and if, if you want your relationship to grow, you need to be willing to say, hey, Lord, it's painful, for it, but it needs to go. You're going to have to help me with it. Because I've gotten really comfortable being able to go outside and yell and scream. It's just become something I do now. And there's a comfort in it. Let me tell you, what, you know, for early on in Christ, that was one of the things I had to work on. So what's the challenge for our walk? He gave us four things. What is on my heart? What is on my lips? what is on my mind, and what is on display in my life. And let me tell you something. That last one, if I want to know how your walk is, I just need to talk to your family. They know what's on display. This is where Christians struggle. I'm not saying here in this church, but I'm saying this is where Christians struggle because the life that they live at church is not the life they live in their house. And it's evident to the people in the house. And so what is on display? You are a walking, talking billboard for Jesus Christ. And it's not just on Sunday and Wednesday. It's all the time. I got upset with a lady at, at uh, Walmart three or four months ago I had a, I mean she she was rude and I, I was like why would you why are you acting like that 
And I walked back in. And I was like, you know what, ma'am? I'm sorry. I said, I think I'm in a rush. And I took it wrong. I'm, I apologize. I went back in and apologized because I was like, I realized what I was doing was no different than what she was doing. Her flesh was out. My flesh came out. Remember the thing about the dogs? Which one are you feeding? The spirit or the flesh? You need, hey, if, if, and God convicted me quickly, like, you need to go back in and apologize. You are a pastor in this area. Regardless of who you are, your testimony is on display all the time. And it, it's not just Mike's, it's yours too. If we claim to be Christian, our, our, we are to display that. So what is on my heart, you know, as he talks about that, you know, can you truly say that the deepest longing of your life is to be in His presence? Let me read this to you in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And He lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two He covered His face. With two He covered His feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of its glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then the one seraphim flew to me, having in the hand a burning coal that he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched our lips, but uh, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It's like, are you really willing? And do you long to be in his presence reading that? Do you understand what you're coming into? I think we take that for granted. There was a great song that uh, I remember Pastor Louie used to sing all the time, and it was, How Lovely Is Your Dwelling Place. Because better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in the courts than a thousand elsewhere. But do you actually believe that? See, if, if, if in our hearts we're supposed to have that presence and wanting to be in the presence of God, do you have a heart for the lost? Because Jesus did. Jesus did. We should have a heart for the lost. Meaning that we, we love them we show grace to them. We try to do what? We point them to Jesus. Love. Remember that acronym I gave you. You listen. You don't know what somebody's going through until you listen and you hear their background. Like I didn't, and that's why we got to meet Stacy and we got to hear her background. I know that's just scratching the surface. But it was enough for me to go, man, I need to be praying for this. I need to be praying for this. And 
and we learn the background and then you you're you're you observe and 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 you come alongside to point them to Christ and at no point the V is value truth at no point do you not share truth you share truth with love but let me tell you something if somebody already knows the scripture you get in, get out where you can share Christ with them. Meaning, hey man, I'm really had a bad day. Let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? You keep pointing them to Christ, but you value truth. And you do never give them truth without love. Never give them truth without love. We we went to that verse in Mark chapter 10 and verses 48 through 52 where we had uh, Bartimaeus and, um, and, and the crowd had rebuked him. And all he was doing was crying out in mercy. And he was rebuked. We don't need to be doing the same thing. We should have a, a, a heart for the lost. And then the, the, the next thing is, is that we should, we should show love to our neighbors. Love your neighbors. What's on my lips? And I love Mark chapter 11, verse 17. And he was teaching them and saying to them, It is not written, my house, shall, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is when he cleanses the temple. So how's your prayer life? Oftentimes we find it easier to work than actually pray. When God actually wants you to come into his presence and, and holy, holy, holy. I mean, do you understand that? Like he, he wants to hear from you. Like you can do more. You have more power through prayer than you ever do from works. And this is where the church misses it. We can do more through prayer for this town than being busy doing works. Now, it doesn't mean anyone will step out in faith and do things, but we need to be in prayer. You can do more for your child, more for your family, more for your marriage through prayer. But are you willing to come into His presence? And even when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit does. So if you're not feeding the spirit, you got nothing but flesh in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings uh, too deep for words. Too deep for words. I'm sorry, I'm just making my time here because I don't want to go over because I think I'm about to. And he searches hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The other part of it is what's on your mind. And this is where people struggle. It's like they allow what's here to get here. 
The temptations that you're going through when they're here in your mind, they're just temptations. The moment that you allow that temptation to take residence in your heart, it's a sin. I want to look at pornography. Nah, I ain't doing that, bro. <laughs> God, I need you to help me with that. That was a temptation. Let me, go, let me go turn on a sermon. Let me get away from whatever's going on in my thoughts right now. Right? I need to have a drink. Ah, uh, no. I'm going to go for a run. Lord, I need, let me put on some music, some worship music. Lord, I need, to, need you to help me in this moment. Because it's not, it's not a sin here. When it takes residence here, it becomes a sin. So you need to learn to have an answer for the, when sin comes knocking at your door. Like, what is your answer going to be? Because you know that's what... Look, the devil don't need to write a new playbook for you. He knows you. He knows the things that you'll fall for every time. And he will use those same ones over and over and over to try to trick you. For that one time that you get weak... And you go ahead and go for it. He don't have to write a new playbook. He knows if you struggle with pride, he'll give you every chance you can to be prideful. If you struggle with anger, he'll give you every chance to get angry. If you struggle with alcohol, even the smell, you'll be at a, you'll be at a restaurant and the smell will get you. I've talked to my dad about that. My dad was a struggling alcoholic. Almost every restaurant has alcohol in it now. That's temptation all the time. It's like, how do you deal with it? You have to have an answer when sin comes knocking at your door. And then finally, what's on display in your life? Is your life demonstrating power, the power of God? Is He on display or do they see you? Are you overcoming sin? Are you growing in the Lord? He gave that verse of, of or that sermon on bend, bend us, O Lord. And the, and the man that understood it finally understood that he said, Bend me, O God, bend me. When he asked later what, what he had been him, he said, I, I saw for the first time that Jesus died for me. He bent me with his love. So the thing that we need to deal with is deal with sin. Confess it. Bring it to light. Because if not, God will. Put away doubtful habits. If you have to convince yourself that you need to do it, like you, you keep convincing yourself that it's okay, you need to ask God to help you with that. Oh, it's okay. God would let me do this. If it, uh-uh. <laughs> what does the Word of God say? No, no, no. It's, it's a small sin. It's okay. It's not. Are you going to obey the Spirit promptly? This is where people 
for whatever reason, check out. But when you have callousness of your heart, it's easier for you not to catch the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you, don't say it. Don't say it. No, I'm going to say it. It needs to be heard. The prompting was there. You didn't listen. And we need to be careful with that. And then we confess Christ openly. We stop trying to, to mold ourselves into the world. We're going to talk about that this weekend. Um, and and it's, it's not an easy study that we have to do this weekend because we have to talk about too many Christians are trying to mold themselves into the world and they're trying to take Christianity in it and mold it into the world as well. And it doesn't work that way. And, and so we need to be careful with that. So, what's on your heart? What's on my heart? What's on my, my lips? What's on my mind? What's on display in my life? So this is where we say goodbye. And we're going to go through, we're probably only going to do a couple questions because these are very personal. Now, I don't want all your business out on the street. <laughs> but hey, I want you to understand something. I've done this book three times and it still gets me every time. There's something like, I got to work on this. It's something new every time. And it's okay. God loves you. It's God's grace. The fact, can I tell you this too? When the enemy's coming after you, don't look at it like, oh man, what's going on? Understand the importance that the devil is shooting at you because you're doing the work of the Lord. He don't want you around. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want you, you know, I think about bringing kids to church. He doesn't want you doing that. He doesn't want you having a friend come to church and then actually give her life to Christ and be baptized. And don't think he don't want to come after you. He's going to do that. When I look at it, I'm like, well, I guess I, at least I'm a little bit important to where I get, I get shot at every now and then. Right? But it reminds me that I'm doing the work of God. And that God is being glorified. And that God wants to use every one of us that way. Every one of us that way. But I'm sure that we all have something in our heart that needs to be thrown out. Something in our heart that we need to go, you know what, Lord, I need to give that room to you. Just do what you need to do. And, and He will. He'll, he'll be right with you through the whole process. You just got to keep feeding the Spirit, not the flesh. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.